Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about the real reason why sales reps quit. No, it's not because you're a bad manager and all the other stuff you find on CultureAmp. So listen in and enjoy. Okay. This was just a refreshing uh, tubor, which is a very Danish beer. And it is today, what time is it right now? Is it two one o'clock? 1 p.m. I think. I think it's 1. It's 1.15, you're right. Well, we're celebrating, but that's okay. 1,000. What are we celebrating, Mikkel? 1,000. 1,000. Listens, downloads, vanity metrics, but... 1,000 vanity we'll, metrics. <laughs> well, we're taking it. We'll take it. Yeah. Take the win. Let's take the fucking you know. win and move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we've been obsessing quite a bit about our content as of late. How can we really give some solid advice, interesting advice, things that are not yeah. just out there? Something you know? that we haven't been doing before. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just been boring, yes. to be honest. No, but I think it's, it's a healthy exercise to kind of keep obsessing over what can we do better when the subject's already been covered, you know, then it's done. Yeah. Then it's done. You got to move on. And that's why today we're going to talk a bit about the real reason why sales reps, they actually quit. Yep. Right. And that obviously implies there's, you know, some things everyone knows out there, but this thing we're going to cover, maybe not everyone will think about it mm -hmm. as much. Right. So the thing is, churn on the sales team is a bit of a problem. I just want to spend, you know, one or two minutes for us to cover hey, what problems are actually occurring when people resign and quit and leave you, right? So obviously, yes, you need to kind of go and find a replacement and there's some ramp up time, right? But, uh, you know, there are some deeper whoa, things whoa, happening. Whoa, 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 You know, whoa. yeah, you need to find a replacement as some ramp up time. I mean, that, that in itself is a massive issue, right? Because especially B2B, you know, mid-market enterprise kind of sales reps, they are ramping for nine months, sometimes yeah. a year. I'm thinking in terms of almost a copywriter. I'm right? just telling yeah. you, if someone yeah, if someone <laughs> is quitting and there's some ramp up, that is basically creating a, a pretty massive problem in your quota on the street. So it's basically all the quotas added up, and uh, usually the only way to you know you know just quickly fix that gap, you almost need to hire two people. By the way, yeah. in order to kind of you know you know solve for that. So yeah, that in itself, <laughs> you know, let's go into all the other topics, but that in itself is an issue right there. Let's get into what are some of the problems of, you know, sales reps effectively leaving. Yes. And I think before we go into like, oh, all of this is a problem, obviously you should be expecting some churn to happen. You should be expecting some churn to happen in your account executive team. And, um, and currently, you know, what we see most of the time is like a 20% is good. More is a little bit worse. So 20% a year really means you have an average tenure of five years. That's, mm. or, you know, th that's kind of the average tenure of a rep. And, um, and obviously that, that churn might be triggered by yourself, kind of, hey, this person isn't worth it to keep investing in and therefore needs to leave. It could be that that person is very much worth investing in and decides to leave. It could also be that that person goes into a management role or mm. goes into a, a you know a, another part of the organization. So this is what you should be kind of uh, keeping in mind that some of that stuff will keep happening. Now, if it does happen, and if it does happen without you planning for it, there's obviously some uh, pretty clear and direct revenue impact that's going to come out of this. And I think 
you know, if you were to ask me, Tony, would you rather want to lose an account executive or lose two SDRs, so sales development reps, I would always choose, I would rather lose the AE. Mm. Counterintuitive answer, why is that? Well, the reason is a lot of those opportunities that these account executives are working with, they will just be redistributed to someone else and then that someone else will close more and you can kind of live with that for the short term. It's not sustainable long term. And the real issue that you have by losing reps, not only on short notice, but in general, is one of the hardest things to build up over time in your sales team is, again, quota on the street. So mm -hmm. how many quotas add on, on top of each other's uh, do you have available? And building this up simply, you know, is similar to the ramp time, takes a lot of time to achieve this, right? And if you, um, uh, you know, short term, maybe you can buffer, you know, losing account executive. Long term, not having enough uh, account executives in your team will basically cap your growth right there. Whatever you do on the top end, you won't have enough people that can actually close those deals and that will cap you right there. Yeah. And so I guess there are some classic reasons why mm -hmm. people leave, right? There's the... You know, people don't leave companies, they leave bad managers. And actually, it's not true, I found out. It's, yeah, apparently it's, not. Yeah. It's a misconception. It's, you know, that's probably fifth, rank fifth on the list. Um, so if, if you're a bad manager, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't feel, don't <laughs> yeah. feel bad. Um, and, and, you know, there's the, hey, I don't feel appreciated by the company. Or th there's a bunch of things out there that's already been covered, you know, quite extensively. And the thing we're going to talk a bit about now is it's not the type of thing that will show up in, you know, the employee feedback survey that much. It won't be, you know, on, on those slides you click through when, when it's done, right? Mm -hmm. So where where this showed up for me many times, and not subtly so, but very much in my face. Also, you know, I've been working in the US and New York City for like three years with sales reps there. And I would I would say that New York City sales reps, very different breed than, you know, your tame Uh, Copenhagen-based, maybe Berlin-based salespeople, very different breed. And, you know, I love both very, very dearly, by the way. But <laughs> the 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 difference here is that people will tell you almost in every other forecast meeting that they don't have enough ammunition, they don't have enough leads, they don't have enough opportunities. They will say things like, Tony, I'm not sure if I can make money here. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I think uh, the team is being set up for failure. You know, they will kind of start using that language and that language translated means I started reacting to those recruiter outreaches on LinkedIn. I started taking some calls to see what else is out there uh, because apparently, quote unquote, I can't make money here. Mm -hmm. yeah? and, and those will be the things you hear from your strongest reps, which basically, you know, flip you into panic mode immediately. <laughs> Right, and um, those are those are some very strong signs that uh, you know someone is probably on their way out, and they're giving you a nice heads up. And you know you don't need to wait for the culture amp or the pecan or the <laughs> lattice uh, report to come through. You will you will see this by just sitting in a one or two of those uh, sales meetings, and and you will hear it. Won't they always say it? Won't they, I mean, will there ever be enough? Well, <clears throat> the thing is especially if you start pushing them, right? It's like, okay, uh, why aren't you hitting your target? Why don't you have anything in forecast? 
Why aren't we as a team not hitting target? And hey, you, Mickle, you really need to work harder and it's really you problem. Very quickly, they will go into, and to a degree, this is not the right way to do it, but very quickly, they will obviously kind of, you know, blame the product. Mm. That's like second nature, right? But very quickly, they will be like, well, wait a minute. I'm converting higher than most of my peers. I'm converting at a higher ACV than most of my peers and faster potentially. So I'm doing my work as best as possible, but I'm just not getting enough. And, you know, this is now the US version swings at the plate, yeah. right? I just don't get enough, uh, you know, opportunities in order to show my skills. And if I don't get that, then how how am I su supposed to hit this target, yeah. right? And the, the terrible thing is they're right. Yeah. They're totally right. And basically having this feeling of being, you know, uh, you know, behind and not able to hit your target and then getting pressure on top. I mean, sure, I, I understand why people would leave then. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where the going gets really tough. And I mean, the at the end of the day, if you if you're performing really well relative to the amount of opportunity swings at the bat you're getting, mm -hmm. but not then completing your quota, you won't get that commission check. Yes. And that's, you know, the ultimate motivation at the end of the day. I think you and I talked a bit about, I, I actually think a lot of sales reps, they will, they will not care that the manager is not the greatest or that there's not, you know, a bountiful of career opportunities. If they can consistently hit and unlock that commission check, they will probably stay. I, and and I'm, not, I'm not a thousand percent sure if I fully agree with that, but I think, especially in a very numbers-driven world like sales and a commission being paid out to your bank account world like sales, I think it basically leads to that even smaller issues are being amplified mm. and leading to career-changing decisions uh, that in other roles where that is not so you know deeply crystallized where you as an employee could just live with it a little bit longer, mm. right? Kind of, ah, uh, you know, I'm a marketing guy. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a marketing guy and I don't get the resources I need or I don't get whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I'll, I'll do the best. But, uh, you know, in the sales world, it's very much a gun to the chest. Why aren't you performing? Yeah. And then, well, it's kind of, you know, not because of me, it's because of you that I'm not performing. <laughs> you know, then kind of these problems just surface faster and then lead to a resolution much faster. So, I mean, you kind of said it. Is it you or is it them? That's mm. the problem. And I think we need to get into some of the practical things that are happening effectively, yep. you know, potentially causing these wonderful sales reps to leave. And we don't want that. Yep. So I think it starts number one with, you know, you being RevOps, CRO, revenue leader, knowing your numbers. And as much as you know your numbers, you know, your reps will probably also start understanding their numbers a little bit and start using them to argue for one or the other case. And what a lot of organizations are doing out there, essentially in trying to generate the target for the rep or the quota in that language, there's kind of research out there, hey, you know, every rep should be hitting, you know, between three and a half and five X their on-target earnings for the year. And what that means, if if a sales rep is generating two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which is by the way a you know benchmark for the U.S., mm. you know you then apply a four X and then okay, so it really needs to be a million in quota that that person needs to rope in. Okay, cool. Now we know that it's a million that they need to uh, generate, and now we need to go the other way as well. Okay, a million 
if I'm selling, you know, 20,000 euro tickets, that means if I do the math right, you need, uh, you know, 50 of those that you're closing and maybe you have a 10% conversion rate, that would then mean you need uh, 500 opportunities throughout the year that are being served to that mm. person. Yeah. And I could rerun that whole math with different numbers and it would come out differently. But in this case, let's just say 500. Are you actually serving 500 opportunities to that sales rep to then close them, turn them into revenue to hit the 1 million mm. euro target? If you're not, and I can promise you many of you probably aren't, then there's no wonder why that sales rep isn't hitting target, while that sales rep will basically say, hey, I'm being set up for failure, and why they probably will kind of start and go and you know go somewhere else. And you know, from from their perspective, they see that very clearly, right? So they, they do this math by themselves. And um it's it's almost a metric that is present for them every single day. It's like every day, how many new meetings do I get? Mm -hmm. And in this, you know, maybe this 50 example is a you know is a bit, you know, overblown, but what is that? That's roughly, yeah, that's 40 per month, and that means uh, two per day. Yeah. If you don't get two new opportunities served every single day, then you know that basically this will drag you down, drag you down, drag you down, and the only way you can fix that is by being even more awesome on the conversion, right? Yeah, and in some channels that works out, like inbound, and some channels like outbound, you won't be able to pull this up much. No. Same on the ACV side, same on the velocity side and so forth. And then the only thing that's left is self-prospecting. But, you know, have fun and, you know, <laughs> ask someone, hey, why don't you just self-prospect, you know, on, on top of your one million quota, Mikkel, mm. why don't you self-prospect, let's just say 250 opportunities yourself. And, you know, keep in mind, an SDR for that kind of product would probably do a good one, 120 opportunities a year. Yeah. Right, so you're basically asking an AE to, on top of you know closing the million, also self prospect for the worth of two SDRs. And you know what? I could see like screw this, yeah. you know, no, you know, and um, and I think this is where a lot of uh, revenue teams actually get it wrong. Yeah, no, it's the equivalent of going down to marketing and saying, well, you're not hitting your target. Why don't you start calling people to get some more leads? It's yeah. unreasonable. <laughs> it's yeah. it's un totally unreasonable. Yeah. And I think the uh, one of the stories I heard. I think last week was this kick-ass person, used to be uh, an account exec, I think, started the first month together with four other AEs just sitting there. Yeah. Nothing happening. Yeah. You know, one meeting per week. Mm -hmm. How on earth do you, I mean, and this is in the, in the, in the, even the honeymoon period, if honeymoon phase, you lose them. So if you, you will never be able to retain them because you're not feeding them anything. No. And so I think the, there are a couple of ways where this is just also difficult to manage, by the way. Kind mm. of, you don't really know how many opportunities you're able to generate sometimes. Yeah. And you kind of still need to pre-plan the AEs coming in because of the ramp time. But, you know, you can also turn it around and be like, well, maybe my ramp time is so long because I'm just not giving my AEs enough meetings to begin with, yeah. right? So I see this a lot of times where uh, sales teams are basically saying like, hey, we don't get it. Our ramp time gets longer and longer and longer. And all of these guys are kind of unsuccessful without realizing, oh, wait a minute, we didn't give them enough opportunities to actually accelerate in their ramp time. Yeah. If you want to be really crazy about it, uh, you basically have an AE starting, I don't know, first of the month or something like that. The 
resources to support her, you know, SDR outbound, inbound, that basically would have ha uh, started a month or two early. Ramp up for them has happened. And then opportunities are being set up for the second week of that AE. Yeah. So after a little bit of onboarding and here's a product, they can hit the ground running and start running demos, which then kicks off the sales cycle of three to six months, whatever it is. And you know what? You will probably see that after two quarters, that person is fully ramped, right? Which in other cases then just takes longer and longer and longer because maybe the SDR started at the same time and opportunities for marketing are only being rerouted at some point. And then, you know, obviously they, I think the difference is ramp up between, hey, I understand how to sell this product, which is the true meaning of ramp up. And the other one is I'm able to hit target. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously everyone will lean with the second uh, definition here, but that also requires to have enough opportunities at the right time in order then to get to that ramp level, right? Yeah. So I think there's, um, ramp is a complexity, but it can man be managed. And I think it uh, sometimes leads to um, just a confusion and, and trying to make sure that all of these guys are hitting target. Yeah. No, I, I buy into that. And I think at the end of the day, they have to be able to hit target if they want that check and you have a responsibility as a business to ensure you actually give them enough to work on and what a wonderful way to start a new job as an account executive that there is actually meetings lined up you can get you know going yeah but also see it from the other perspective that that ae is going to be efficient so much faster mm. than any you know all, all the other ways you can spin around this because the really expensive time for your CAC payback customer acquisition cost payback really is uh, the time for the AE where he or she starts until he or she keeps delivering the number that they need to deliver. Yeah. That's really the expense of time. If you can shorten this or accelerate that or whatever, that's really powerful, right? And and I think one way how um, how some of those, you know, newer reps or seemingly maybe not so strong reps are sometimes being even screwed over a little bit is by something that uh, I started calling... Um, basically distribution of those opportunities, mm. opportunity distribution, right? And and here's the logic from the top down. It's like, okay, I'm the CEO, I'm the CRO, I'm the VP of sales. I need to hit a specific target and um, I have so many opportunities here. If I could, I would actually send all of those opportunities, all of them, to my best performing rep with the highest conversion rate, highest ACV, and I would probably maximize the revenue output coming out of this, right? Now, we all know that that's not possible at some point, at least, you know, that that person will simply run out of daylight in order to deal with all of that stuff. So you need to give it to someone else. And what usually happens is the new rep that is, you know, by him or herself, just not as experienced yet, doesn't know the playbook well enough, doesn't know how to react to some of the tricky competitor questions that are going to come up. They are just not going to be so good. And the only way for them to get better is to have more opportunities and go through this thing. And that would basically, in this case, need to be your investment as a as an organization mm. to build up those people. Yeah. But if you're already behind and everything is, you know, really tight already, you might not be feeling like you have that luxury to do that. And then basically, you know, someone comes out of ramp or never comes out of ramp. And then you say, like, you know what? All of these new sales reps, all of them are kind of shit. We don't get it. You know, we spend so much time hiring and we onboarding and all mm. of that. No one of them is hitting target. And uh, see there, we have someone else doing 300% and these guys are doing 30%. Yeah. I just don't understand it. And and the reason is opportunity distribution. It's yeah. like you just, 
You know, you're routing these things to all of your best guys all the time. And that usually ends up basically creating uh, success in the short term, grant you that. But basically will end up not having a sales team that is large enough to to help you grow, uh, you know, in a year or two from now. I mean, the whole up distribution is a science of its own. I mean, I've been I've been in those meetings where it's sales marketing, alignment on what's happening, how we're progressing opportunities and and creating pipeline. And we'd notice, for example, a few people getting the opportunities and they already had a lot of opportunities in the backlog. And so you start looking into that and it it's just to say it, it is a whole science that you really need to be on top of. Yeah. And, and there has to be a process, not just a, you know what, I'm going to help this AE over here and give the meeting yeah. to that person. So two two pieces pieces of advice. Number one, don't only judge your AEs by how much they're close to their target. Mm. Also judge them by how much input they got and apply your average conversion rate, average ACV, and sometimes you will be like, oh my God. yeah, He or she got so many opportunities, he got to target cool, but actually you should have gotten to 150%, yeah. right? This you know, number one. And then number two, what is the super scientific solution to op distribution? And you know what? Everyone here will probably be shocked me saying it. It's going to be the sales manager distributing those opportunities. Mm. And sure, they know that doesn't work in some SMB cases and so forth. I totally get that. But sales manager will always have something to criticize in the automation that you build somewhere. And the sales manager basically wielding that power can, you know, quote unquote, throw a bone sometimes, you know, to help someone out, mm. but also can adjust for, hey, you just said this really hot one. I don't want to give you just, you know, another one on top. You're going to give it to someone else. And then you think like, wow, isn't this a lot of admin work? Well, it's, it's really usually isn't, right? You have eight reps. This is what between eight and 16 new opportunities a day that you need to distribute. And this is one of the, oh yes, please give me that task boss. <laughs> Uh, you know, a task that a sales manager actually wants to have, right? So don't don't overcomplicate it. You can obviously build automations according to the alphabet, according to the territory, according mm. to round robin. But usually, you know, if you're not distributing 50 or so per sales manager every day, usually this is actually a pretty great way to do it and um, it balances out really nicely. Yeah. It's kind of like the coach selecting the pitcher that yeah. goes on, right? Yes. To get yes. the ad-bad. So feeding the team... Making sure you distribute mm -hmm. the opportunities. Do we have a last and final? Well, we do, Michael. <laughs> That's fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, show over. And and this is kind of a, I'm not sure if it's a boring one or not, but quota. Mm. You know, thinking about quota, um, it's really just setting a target. And ideally, you set the target in a way where you basically have, um, hey, this is how many opportunities we can give. This is the conversion rate and, you know, processing that we expect. And that's then the target we want them to achieve. And you usually, you know, uh, you usually would say, hey, we're going to set that target 10 or 20% higher simply due to the fact of, um, you know, hitting target uh, should not be a given or a normal thing or, you know, something like that. There should be some, hey, someone was beating the, the average, someone was outperforming on conversion rate, on ACV and so forth, or creating great opportunities him or herself, right? That's my usual rule of thumb. But what, what is dangerous is to see quota the other way around. And, you know, basically saying, hey, let's put the, the card in front of the horse and say, hey, let's increase quota and, and that's it now. 
really quota increase uh, for many salespeople, uh, sorry, for many finance people is an efficiency driver. Mm. I was like, okay, so out of that headcount that cost me 250K, instead of a million, I could get now a million point two. Great. I just, you know, saved us 20% efficiency and let's totally do that. You know, and not not realizing it takes quite a lot of quite a lot of work to get from the million to the 1.2. And I don't mean this in the sense of, oh, the sales rep needs to work harder. I mean, no, you know, the organization needs to have a very good reason why they suddenly can supply 20% more ops. Mm. And maybe they can. Why the conversion rate is going up. And maybe they can. Or why the ACV is going up. But if they, you can't do either of these things, pulling up quota will basically result in you paying less commission. Mm. That's a totally fair way, by the way, to think about it. But if you do that, you need to realize what happens on the flip side with a sales team, you know, going back to, you know, why they quit is, oh, you know, finance just increased quotas. The sales manager can't sell it to them. Why that is even the case. No one is going to explain to them how they're going to hit that new target and basically going to say, you know what, actually, uh, maybe I'll just go and look somewhere else. <laughs> you know what? I think that's the perfect way to almost end the episode. You know, that, that really sets up and ties it all together. So you want to make sure you actually can have AEs that can hit their quota. If you want to retain them, at least, that's that's key. And whether you do it through the ACV or the amount of ops or the distribution or whatever, it's just one of those that you can't really look over while you, you know, analyzing the employee feedback surveys and all that stuff. Pay attention in the meetings. You, I think you said the, was it the forecast uh, meetings? Yeah, or the weekly, yeah. The, the weekly with sales. If, if you're being thrown some of the curveballs uh, we just discussed, try maybe looking a bit inwards at what's happening. Are, are some of these things being exhibited? Yeah. And I know it's really, it's really hard to admit, but sometimes, and that has happened way more often than you think, these sales guys are right. <laughs> no way <laughs> they say something and you're like no come on shut up it's like no they're actually no, right it's... and listen to them once in a while yeah another good day in the studio thanks Michael with a wonderful episode thank you so much Tony and thank you wonderful listener out there or viewer yeah. if you're watching we're gonna call this episode done and uh, move along let's grow 